Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. My name's Stu Whiffin. I'm your host today. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, well... I got to sit down with Jamie Winston. Well, I didn't actually get to sit down in a in a room with Jamie Winston because we uh, recorded this one during uh, lockdown. And uh, I'll leave it to Jamie to explain where we recorded uh, or where she recorded from uh, because it's probably the coolest place I've ever remotely recorded a podcast. Um, before we get on with the episode, um, I just want to say thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, massive thanks to 76 for producing this um, because as a producer, um, you know, everybody's having to do the podcast now remotely. So they're all being done over Zoom and Skype and things like this. So everybody's doing their best to try and ensure that you get like the nicest sounding podcast um, that, that that can be expected in these in these strange times we find ourselves in. And Stu's been doing an amazing, um, I'm not talking about myself there, uh, 76's name is Stu as well. So um, yeah, he's been doing a great job um, mastering these podcasts, so you get a really nice sound. Um, okay, well, um, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, I should also say go and have a look in the, the archives because there's there's over 120 episodes um of some amazing people talking about their creative journeys, whether they be musicians, actors, comedians, DJs, producers. Go and go and have a rummage in the vaults and see what you can find, um, because I'm sure there'll be something there for you. Um, and if that's not enough, I also have a Patreon page um, where I put a standalone episode each week as well, so you can support the podcast by signing up over there. You can find out about all of this uh, um, off the beaten track podcast.com. Anyway, back to business. And you're going to love this episode. It was so much fun. Um, Please enjoy Off The Beaten Track podcast with the wonderful Jamie Winston. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And... What I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that... They only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, 
great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording and sitting opposite me uh, via the means of Zoom, recording this in lockdown. Uh, I'm happy to say my guest today is Jamie Winston. Hello. Hello, my darling. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. So, I mean, I've recorded some uh, a fair few podcasts over Zoom in this, this current situation, but I don't think I've recorded with anyone in the location that, that I'm currently recording in. So whereabouts are you to be precise? I'm in Agrigento. I'm sitting on top of a mountain uh, and my house in Sicily. So excuse the um, the, the, the real distance. <laughs> this is social distancing to the next level. <laughs> so so how have you how have you found it as 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 you know the, the whole lockdown quarantine thing as both as as a you know as a creative and and as a human have you have you found it um well obviously it's been it's it's been a really kind of disturbing couple of months with everything that's going on it's a, mm-hmm. it's a super hard time um but yeah i mean when the lockdown happened we actually ended up in dorset um uh in a commune for a couple of for a good couple of months and that, that was quite surreal but um quite amazing to be out in the nature and enjoying what nature has to give and then we found myself my dad was actually out here on his own for about three months so we were kind of getting worried about his mental health to be honest but, um yeah so you know we did everything we could to get out here and we managed it um during lockdown don't ask me how we just pulled some strings um we, we managed to get here, <laughs> i'm not asking promise. any questions there <laughs> we managed to get here and um yeah everything's been great i mean you know times like this you just want to be with family and and you yeah, know, totally. You just feel very lucky to have family and, and not be alone, and you really appreciate things that you don't normally do. So yeah, so we're we're up on a mountain and and enjoying Agrigento, and it's it's extremely beautiful. From a commune to a mountain top in Sicily, you, you're you're bossing, absolutely bossing lockdown, Jamie. I tell yeah, you, bossing lockdown is 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 a, a thing. <laughs> my friends have been saying like, oh, what, what is your lockdown? I'm like, well, you know, I've just you know, it's it's been a really hard time, and um, 
I've got to say, the one thing that has got me through this lockdown is music, you know, and that's it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's kind of kept me sane, you know. You're, you're, you're left with the reality of what's going on in life um, with the whole lockdown, the isolation, the sort of mentalness that comes with that, being left with your own thoughts. And, then, and now we're dealing with, um, you know, the, the riots in London and the Black Lives Matter and everything yeah. seems to be, the world's in a very dark place. So, you know, when really you go is. to music, it, it takes you away and takes you into that fantasy world and, you know, brings the nostalgia back of what it's like to be close to people and what we are as humans to connect to people. So, yeah, music's been my, my best friend, to be honest. Wonderful, because this podcast is about nostalgia and escapism. So uh, you've come to the right place oh, today, Jamie. <laughs> Track one, Jamie. The song with the... I mean, I should point out before we get into this list to, to the listeners that um, most people come back with, with, with one answer. Um, you've completely <laughs> took the piss and come back with about 10 for each one. So, uh, <laughs> so we're, uh, we've got plenty of honourable mentions to chat about as well. So, Jamie, track one, the song with the greatest ever intro. Well, for me, this was really tough because obviously I'm an actress and I love a bit of drama and a bit of melody coming in and a bit of a build-up. But, you know, everything that... that every All my tunes that I went through, I was just like, it's got to be the original Nutter, no? Shy Effects and uh, UK Pashi. Yeah, it, it just... You hear that anywhere in the world, um, even when I drop it when I'm playing in, in um, at a gig or you know even a corporate event, and you know you drop that, and it certainly separates the men from the boys in that sense. You'll either clear the dance floor, and you'll have sort of five really strong junglists <laughs> on the floor. Um, for me, this you know it it just make it just takes me back to hearing it for the first time. If I think it was either in Camden Palace or in um in a club in Edmonton called Hartford's and it just gives me shivers and you just know it's about to go off when you hear this. So how did how did you get into DJing? Was that something you'd always wanted to do? Uh not really, um to be honest. It was I've always loved music and I've always been a um sort of kind of linked into the DJ world. A lot of my friends are um are quite successful DJs now but um yeah. For me, I've always been the one who's ended up playing um, at, at a party or an after party. Um, sometimes having a little bit of a celebrity status, you get booked, you know, as a celebrity DJ. Sure. Sometimes a little bit soul-destroying because I'm an actress and you do these things and, you know, but it's a, it's a nice bit of cash. And I also love watching people dance and I love it. So I um, um, loved loved playing so for me it's always been a, a kind of thing where I just sort of I mean I'm not a mixer I don't really do that I don't pretend to be the greatest DJ on earth for sure but um yeah I've, the years of doing it and getting more confident you know you have to learn how what goes together and certain BPMs and, yeah. and the other but you know um when you've dropped in a banger like original Nussa you, you don't really need to mix you just you just drop it in and it go it goes off absolutely well, I mean, aside from um, shy effects, I'm just looking at the the, the other honourable mentions. I mean, the, the the genres they're kind of all over the place, which is great. So there's a real broad spectrum of of, of tunes we can chat about here. Because you mentioned um, Sia um, as a, as another one, and 
That's a huge tune. I've never heard that before, Jamie, either. What, what the uh, Susie Sue and the Banshees are you talking about? No, no. Um, little oh, Man. Little by... Man, yeah, by, um, by Sia. Um, well, at heart, I'm kind of a garage girl, you know, at my age. Um, yeah. You know, when we started sort of going to clubs and at school, we started raving. It was, um, garage was was really having it. Um, you know, it was Heartless Crew and, you know, you get texts of where the next gig's going to be and it was, you know, growing up in North London, you sort of, you just, you just were segregated into a garage sort of warehouse and um, Little yeah. Man, you know, um, which is actually kind of a rowdy, rowdy tune, but actually it's, you know, the original was actually a beautiful song about uh, a mother singing about her, her little boy. Um, but obviously the Garage Welsh took it, chopped it up and made it a complete banger. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's quite, it's quite amazing because it's kind of this, um, str- it sounds like a strong woman, sit, you know, very confidently singing about, you know, little man, you know, this is what I want, this is what, this is what I love. But, you know, if you can't handle it and it's just such a tune. Have you never heard it before? Never. I mean, I, I prepped today. I was like going through some of the ones that I didn't know on your playlist, and I was like, "Have I not heard this? It's cracking." Yeah, it's an amazing tune. Um, yeah, you really, you really get the shockers out there. You know, you really get the, the, what was the word we used to use? Oh, skanking. We used to skank out to that. Me and my girls. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a tune. No. Love it. Well, you've also. You've also gone from like jungle via garage to kind of early eighties kind of alternative kind of goth, I guess. Yeah. And and you've gone for Susie, which is, I mean, what an intro that is. Well, you know, it's been chopped up and used. I think didn't Puff Daddy use it for a tune? I think. He used, yeah. Um, you know, but that that's a, a personal favourite. I actually know Susie, but I, I grew up on music like that. You know, my dad was always downstairs playing either the Clash or the Jam or Weller and. And Susie and the Banshees, and you know, later on in life, I sort of met her and was just blown away by her, and um, became sort of obsessed with her her visual her visual music. And she, um, you know, it's such a it's such a mood. The whole song, isn't it? Really, you know, you're kind of like it's kind of this sort of melodramatic. You know, this is a happy house, but she's. I feel like she's sort of talking about you know London in that sense. Yeah. Of, you know, oh, absolutely. But yeah, Susie, you, you can't beat her style and, and the way she dropped it. She was, you know, one of the, the first female punks and, and goths to sort of emerge. And I just, I'm just in awe of her. How did you, how did you come to kind of sort of hang out with, with, with Susie Sue? I mean, well, absolute stone cold legend well, she's there. An, she's an amazing woman. Um, well, it's actually through my friend uh, Pam Hogg, who's um, an amazing couture designer um she's uh you know she she's sort of glam rock to the soul and glam punk and she um uh i walked in a few of her shows when i first started acting and first started sort of breaching into that world and um sort of just took me under her wing and you know i was introduced to Susie, and i just sort of ended up finding myself you know in the bar with Susie sue and pam hogg thinking god i'm i'm I mean, that's a good night out. Yeah, it wasn't a bad night out, I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, 
Well, for track two, Jamie, I'm going to ask you um, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, so the, the track I decided to choose, um, I sort of went back to my sort of younger self and was thinking, who really hit me hard when I was young and who really moved me? Um, and it has to be Madonna. It just has to be, you know, yeah. when I like a prayer. When I first heard that song... Um, you know, your hair down the back of your neck, it's got gospel and yeah. she's, you know, she's she's sort of preaching to the world to sort of shake up their opinions and sort of, and with, and then, then comes the music video and that's just another sort of punch in the stomach and sort of putting your fingers up yeah. in the music industry and she was so before yeah. her time in terms of, you know, showing the Black Saints and how he was wrongly, charged of a murder and it, just the bravery and that and also the sort of the injustice of what was going on at the time which is just also so relevant now um i just you know i you've got to kind of thank and praise artists like madonna for really going against the grain and sort of you know she got dropped i think from loads of her campaigns for this the, the you know the catholic church i think banned the video and massively it caused such a shitstorm that video. Such a shitstorm and, and and even now, you know, I think I posted something on my Instagram about a week ago and you know, I was quite scared to post it and feeling quite is this relevant? But actually, you know, it is relevant because it has been covered up for so long now, the injustice and the, the brutal racism that's going on all around the world. Um so I just feel like this one was that this 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 song, particularly like a prayer, Madonna, um, really pulled at my heartstrings then and does now, and it, it moves me. So, um, yeah, thanks. How does it? How does? How does it? How does it move you, Jamie? What, what, what would that emotion be? It just well, for for one, it's it's also it's really stunning and beautiful. Um, the way mm-hmm. you know this, she's exposing a certain scene, a certain a way. Um, yeah. And there's just this real elegance in the way, you know, this beautiful black man has become a saint, and she, yeah, she's just pleading and 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 crying, and she's just basically showing tears for the world or for all the sort of non-racists out there, and and trying to um trying to drive justice out of everyone, and you yeah. know. Um, it just moves me because it's um, it happens now, happens it's happening today, it's happened yesterday. It's and it's you just think you know, God, if she, she was she put so much time and effort into showing this story, which was then then banned. You know, she was a she's a real yeah. she's a real activist, and you know if you can if you can use activism in music, you know, there's nothing stronger, there's nothing more powerful. And, and and not just in, in in sort of music, but in pop music. You know, there's lots of people in like you know the alternative music scene that are very proactive in their activism. But to be a you know an absolute sort of smash its cover star worldwide pop star, yeah. but then you know pop stars aren't meant to be doing stuff like that. Pop stars are meant to smile and sing yes, the, so the pop songs. And she just took it a completely different way and sell things, and you know she just didn't really give a shit. You know, she was just like this. I no. gotta say, this is what I believe, you know. She she um and she did, she she sort of exposed she exposed a certain 
a certain way of of people then, and that was in the eighties when things were just you know yeah a little bit more sort of up front. But that seems to have been buried, you know, and and now it's still even more relevant now. Um, so I'm just you know that things like that. If you can as a, as a pop artist doing something that strong, then you know it just makes you think. Yeah. Well, why aren't why aren't our pop musicians doing stuff like that? You know, obviously now we have Gaga and, you know, she's a massive advocate for, you know, Black Lives Matter and the LGBT community. But, um, yeah, it just seems to be a bit sugar-coated for me, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I hear that. It's just a bit like, come on, let's, let's, you know, there is power in music and there is power in in celebrityism and if you've got a huge platform you've really got to do something that moves people and you know this I haven't really seen anything since Like a Prayer you know so um, you know good for Madonna but um, absolutely absolutely you also put um, a few shout outs as well Um, you you mentioned Duran Duran yeah I mean I'm I'm always up for talking about that Duran Duran I mean don't you just remember, I remember I was actually, it was the first music video I'd ever really seen. And I was actually, I actually remember dancing around in my nappy in my front room. Um, <laughs> and this girl's on film, having a good time, just sort of ran through my, my council flat. And I was just like, what is, what is this song? What is this song? And I just remember it being so rude and so naughty you know with these girls sort of entwined together jelly being you know jelly fight and it was just kind of like god this is really naughty I just remember feeling really (laughs) (laughs) in terms of emotions it raised loads of emotions in me in terms of god this I feel I feel bad for watching it but you know it it essentially did inspire me to be a girl on film you know I I, I do you know I'm I'm an inspiring actress and I, you know, I work, I work in film, but so this always does remind me whenever I start shooting and stuff, I always play girls on film just to sort of ground me, get me back to my roots. I mean, I must add, I'm, I'm never filming anything where I'm rolling around in jelly. With a load of women. <laughs> just clarify that. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> 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 well, Jamie, you mentioned that um, your dad was always playing like um, the Jam and the Clash yeah. uh, and Susie, and, and and you mentioned that you know you, that there was music on the TV and that. Like, so aside from that, was there, was there other stuff that you were sort of like musically sort of exposed to growing up? Was there always music on at home? Uh, for me, um, when I was a kid, I was yeah, there was always music on at home. Um, my dad's a huge Clash fan. He, you know, he's he's very tight with uh, Paul Simonon from the Clash, and they actually worked together. Um, on a film called Join the Professionals, um, where my dad plays uh, the lead. I think it was him and Paul Cook and Paul Simo in this band, which is quite major, actually. You can check them out online. It's on a YouTube um, scene, but it's... And they, they perform this song. But, so he was quite heavily into that. And But I kind of grew up, when I used to go and stay with my, my nan and granddad, it was kind of rock and roll, but it was kind of Elvis. Elvis was really quite strong, you know, um, in my upbringing. I actually developed a little bit of an obsession of him um, uh, amongst all the other women in the world, I think, at the time. Um, (laughs) I felt like in my past life that me and Elvis had a real connection. (laughs) So 
I, I, um, I just, I just loved him. I loved the way his lips moved. I loved the way he sang. I love the, I even love his films to this day. You know, um, oh, I love an Elvis film. Oh, I love, I love an Elvis it. film. It's just, you know, there's <laughs> nothing quite like him. There, there is, you know, he's just completely out of this world and so talented. And the way he sang, and you know, he just woo you. And even now, you know, love me. Any footage. I just sing, oh. sing it to my son every every other night, you know. And he, um, yeah, he he lo- he also loves Elvis now. He's four years old, so I've sort of carried that tradition on of, of obsession of Elvis. Wonderful. He's lucky he weren't called Elvis. A young Elvis, young Elvis, there was no one more beautiful than a young Elvis oh was there. God. He was just something to behold. Completely, <laughs> His lips. <laughs> all right jamie um for track three i'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school so the songs uh remind me of my school um for me it's got to be shorty swing my way um i went to an all-girls school um in north london emperor county and you know this was just playing through the corridors girls were singing it um and it's just one of those songs that if you hear it in a club, you hear it anywhere, you just cannot, yeah. I mean, I certainly can't resist to just have a little dance to it. And it's just got such a catchy beat. It's almost kind of like old disco, but then like with a sort of yeah. overlaying of R&B and a, with a bit of garage in there. Um, and, you know, I'm a garage girl at heart. So for me, this was, um, this was the tune that just took me straight back to my uniform, my DMs my little tie, and I was just like, you know, that, that's the one for me, Shorty Swing My Way, it's, it's, it's a tune. Lovely. Did you enjoy school, Jamie? I love school, actually. Um, I went, I had a really um, l- lucky school experience. I mean, my sister, I went to the school before, and if anybody knows, if they're a younger sibling and they, they go to a school that their older sibling went to, they're pretty much sorted, and you're pretty much sort of, looked after but um I was really really yeah. lucky to go to a really multicultural school I mean we had the options I think there was you know at the time when I went to school I think there was about 10 10 white girls in, in my year and um, so I was just merged with so many different cultures which was completely amazing and um, I think we had a, a choice of trampolining or, or banguli dancing and you know th- that's just it, it's amazing just to have at yeah. fingertips, different cultures and, and different religions. I just, you know, now in, in hindsight, I wish we were taught a bit more um, about the history of the other cultures rather yeah. than just sort of having, you know, um, algebra stuff down my throat, which really doesn't really work for me right now. But um... Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is... The songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. See you on the other side. I totally agree with you there, Jamie. And and hopefully, like, you know, the, the events that, that have happened in the last few weeks is really going to kind of push people in this time when they're in lockdown, where, you know, hopefully people can go and, and learn more about, you know, the history of other, you know, races and, 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 and creeds, you know. I think it's really important. 100%. It is so important. You know, we've, we've got to take it upon ourselves to kind of read more. And, and you know, we've kind of just been blindfolded to actually all the – the actual history and, you know, learning about Columbus and all his triumphs and, and this, that and the other. And actually you think, well, actually, what what else did he do? You know, and it's not about shaming yeah. people. It's just about the truth and exposing the truth. And um, uh, I think we'd all be a lot better off as humans um, to sort of fuck the system in that way and, and, and you know, Completely. go out and find it and, and go and find the truth and educate the young ones to what really went on. Definitely, definitely. So when you was at school, what did you want to be, Jamie? When I was at school, what did I want to be? Um, for me, I always wanted to um, I always wanted to go into writing or development. I was a little bit, uh, I wasn't shy in school, but I was quite embarrassed. When I went to an all-girls school, I was quite like, Nobody blinked an eyelid at who my dad was. Nobody really knew who Ray Winston was because, to be honest, girls didn't really at that point. Um, and then when I actually moved to Essex when I was about 15 and did my last year of schooling in Essex and... Uh, Whereabouts? Whereabouts? I went to school in Harlow. I went to... A- oh, really? Yes, I did. I did my... Oh, I'm just down the road. Oh, really? <laughs> Lovely. Well... I mean, I don't know how lovely it is. I mean, I, I had a great time, but um, it was a culture shock for me. You know, it was from going from a very mixed race to multicultural school to a, a full-on Essex school. So, you know, and I was quite a tomboy uh, back in back in North London and, you know, being propelled to this school in Essex, I kind of was like, oh, okay, I've got to wear a Burberry bag, get my ears pierced and wear makeup to fit in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was really hard, you know. I, I remember I kind of was I was slightly bullied because I spoke with a London accent, and it, it was very 
like that at the time, but you know, I, I just sort of troopered it, went out with Top Boy and just owned it a little bit. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but you know, it, it was a it was a culture shock and it, it, it I although I enjoyed it, you know, for me, um I actually sort of cut school for a while and didn't really want to tell anybody um, who my dad was. I was I was quite embarrassed about the whole thing and you know, although I love performance and writing scripts and, and developing stuff, um, and they had a very good um, drama academy where I went, um, it, it just was, it was, I just found it quite embarrassing. Um, and then I kind of, kind of quit school for a while and went and was a runner on Indiana Jones and The Departed um, in LA. And that's when we sort of moved over to Bel Air for a while, which was, another sort of culture shock but quite amazing but after that I sort of ditched school and I, I just went and shot the film Kid Outwood and that's it I didn't really have a choice it was a it was down to a casting director Des Hamilton who said you know um I think you should act I think you know you're really developing some good stuff but I didn't really know how to I just sort of was like okay so I went into my audition and I just remember it just kind of developed into this big improvisation. I think I ended up slapping him. <laughs> About half an hour after I left, I was kind of bright red and really angry, really pumped up. And, you know, he called me and said, look, you've got this job. Um, I think you can do this. So I've got to kind of thank Des Hamilton for getting into it, really. And then yeah. I went and did Bullet Boy and straight after I went and did Kid Hood. And since then, I haven't really stopped working. So I kind of got over my fear and... And just jumped in the deep end with certain characters and, you know, it, it rolled from there. But I, I think this peer pressure of school and, you know, you, you know, I guess doctors' kids go on to be doctors and, you know, you just kind of yeah. don't really want to make those sort of decisions at that age. But um, it just so happens that I, totally. I went in that way and it worked. So thank God. So. You, you, you mentioned sort of moving around a little bit um, to different places and, and how that sort of impacted on you as a person. And and and, and, and I guess at the time, you know, you, you, you said that you was bullied a little bit for your accent in Essex and things. And 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 looking back now, it, it seems that you felt like you, you, you've obviously sort of learned a lot from, from, from traveling around. So I just want to ask you as like, um, as an adult now and, and as a mother, like, do you do you see sort of like travel and 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 kind of exposing you know children to to different environments you know really really key in 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 your approach to parenting now? One hundred percent, you you know um, with this whole lockdown and and being in isolation, um, my son Raymond was supposed to start reception school in uh, East London. Yeah. Uh, it come September, you know, um, that's not going to happen anymore. I've actually moved moved out of East London and kind of I'm living in Sicily right now. Um, so we're actually sort of, you know, and I had to make that decision whether, you know, I wanted him to continue down that route and, or, or kind of reach out. And I, you know, I look back at my past and I just think, God, I'm so lucky and, and massively privileged to be able to travel at that age when I didn't know what to do. I got on. I got on a plane and, and you know started working for a big production company and was a runner for Harrison Ford and you know and and 
these sort of things being thrown in the deep end um, within the arts, which is what you can do. There's not so many arts that you can be taught. You know, you have to be thrown in or you have to propel yourself in. And with Raymond now, you know, we're, we're about to start sort of karate lessons in, in Sicily, you know. Um, so we're trying to get him to learn the language at this age because I think it's, it's just so important, you know, to have that life skill at a young age than to go out into the world and, and have that just, you know, in your box of, of gifts, you know, it's, it's, and just being able to see the world and understand that, that you know, we don't own this planet, you know, the, the cultures and the music and everything, we are all so individually influenced by. And, um, you know, it's, it's slightly arrogant not to be aware of that. So um, for me, it's 100% the way to go. Just to, If you can't afford to travel, then, you know, go to certain areas. If you live in London, you know, you've got just the whole reach board of culture just right on our doorsteps. And why would we not take advantage of that? Why would we not look at the influences? And, you know, um, we've got to really break the mould in, 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 that, in that racism way that... You know, the Tories want us to. <laughs> Sorry to get political. <laughs> I'm not. Getting- no, no, I, I, I agree. No. Completely agree. So it's, um, it's breaking, well, that, breaking that wall down. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you for track four, Jamie, to um, tell me the first record you remember buying. My first record. Now, this, I really struggled with it because I really couldn't remember. And I, then I tried to do a sort of timeline. Um, and I think it probably was, it was either All Saints, Never Ever, um, which yeah. is just an epic tune even now. And ironically, Mel Black is actually my best friend and I'm still starstruck <laughs> at her every time she's sitting on my sofa eating chips. Um, you know, I just- can, I, can I tell you something, Jamie? Your, your, your sister's band played for me once. Um, uh, I'm, I, I promote events in, in London and, um, and, and, and Lois and the Love played for me. This was probably like eight or nine years ago. Uh, and, and Lois put on the guest list Melanie Black, who was my ultimate crush. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And, like, and yeah, and she turned up and I was just kind of like, hi. <laughs> Yeah, she's a complete babe. She's a total babe. Um, you know, you know, I just, it was quite funny. I remember having a picture of her on my wall, pregnant, you know, with a little crop top on. And, you know, at the time yeah. there was like Spice Girls and, you know, girl power. But then on the sort of other side of it, you had this R&B, you know, mixed band who were just singing, you know, really soulful R&B harmonising and bringing it into the charts. And that for me was just completely iconic. And then, you know, watching Mel on stage pregnant with her daughter Lily and just owning it as a woman and doing her work. And, you know, she was just really inspirational. So I'm, you know, I just have the best memories of being in... And it's just quite funny because we used to... I used to fight about who we was in the playground and I always wanted to... (laughs) First name or Mel. And, um, you know... (laughs) And now here I am talking about her and she's, she's, you know, hopefully... Hopefully she's going to listen, and you know we we love, love Brilliant. Her. she's fantastic. But All Saints probably was my first 
first record to buy, but then I think Let Me Be Your Fantasy was in there somewhere. Oh, what a record. Oh, what a record. Insane. You know, just it, that video. But also at the time, that was, it's a real rainy track. And that was, you know, that's what it's our kids were listening to on our main pop charts, you know, which is, um, mm. which is fantastic, you know, which, what sort of variety we had back then. Well, well, whilst we're talking about clubbing then, then I, I guess it, it fits nicely for track five. Uh, Jamie, if you tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Oh, the rave, the rave, the rave, the rave. I am a slave to the rave, <laughs> big time. Um, yeah, I've always, always loved dancing. A lot of the time I couldn't really articulate myself as, as a young one. And I, couldn't, I, I, was, I struggled with dyslexia, but dancing was always my language, you know, of expressing myself. And I mean, to begin with, I mean, I think my first sort of rave experience is was actually being smuggled into Peach. Um, I think I was about 12 or 13. My system was about 17. So, yeah, I must have been about 13. And um, we were, right. I was actually smuggled in in someone's coat. And, like, no exaggeration. We went in and I was just like, right, and my sister was supposed to be looking after me. Cut to, I'm in a club, Peach, in, which was at the top of Camden Palace. And... Um, I just yeah. remember getting in there, being stuck in a corner and just being like told to, you know, sit there and, and, and wait while everybody goes and raves. And I just remember this expression on everybody's faces and thinking, why are they doing that with their faces? And what is this, what is this movie they're doing? <laughs> what is all this, you know? But the one thing that really stuck me, with me, was the music. The music was just incredible and the way people were so happy and interacting with each other. I was just completely blown away. And, you know, for me, it was the prodigy out of space, that that sound and the clothes. And, you know, we'd only been doing routines and, you know, copying each other in the playground. But when we saw Keith Flynn and, you know, Liam Howlett just completely ruin this dance that they were doing yeah and um, it blew my mind you know instantly i went and got a massive hoodie from my dad's wardrobe i've got baggy trousers <laughs> hat, and it was like that was it you know the raver in me was born and then i sort of graduated oh, onto you know I've, i'm very lucky to have a lot of older friends who who are um kind of big in the rave scene um but Scream Delica was introduced to me quite young. It was definitely before my time. But um, Primal Scream and Scream yeah. Delica, uh, it kind of changed my life, really. Um, you know, listening, oh, that album. listening to it and the journey you go on and the euphoric feelings. And, you know, um, it totally makes music the drug, you know. And, and that yeah. that is, um, it's just magic. And I, I happen to be friends with Bobby Gillespie now. Um, who's just a complete legend. And, you know, he's, I've always got so much time to listen to what he say. He's such an anarchist and he's such a, he's such a, um, uh, just a, you know, he's, he's, he's a powerhouse in terms of, you know, what he does. Absolutely. You know, he, he brought rock and roll and rave together. Um, and, and completely, completely. Amazing way that um, kind of blew us, blew us all away, really. 
Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that that album should never be overlooked. It is such it's, an important record. It's like, so important, isn't it? It just kind of you, you know the artwork and then the, the the sounds and the journey you go on it. It's it's quite amazing. You're you're exhausted after. <laughs> Absolutely, you absolutely. Sit down after, you know. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, that they were quite, I was quite exposed to that quite young. So then I was a garage girl at heart. So really you go into a garage, but then you get to a certain age and you can start traveling on your own properly. And, you know, if you're a teenager and you didn't hit up this sort of uh, iron apples and the, the, the Ibiza, um, is where I really felt, fell in love with um, house, you know, house music and, you yeah. know, Seth Trotsky's, you know, bringing the, that Detroit sound to to the to the decks in DC 10. And then, you know, there's one song that really rings through for me and that's Jamie Jones's Hungry for the Power. Um, I just remember when you, you first hear that, I, I was around and Jamie's actually a good friend of mine um, he's a really inspirational DJ and, and, and an amazing guy and extremely humble. But when you hear that song and you just, it just lights the fire in your belly and you just feel really united with everybody in the club. And, you know, you just think, oh, when it drops, it's, it starts quite euphoric and then it drops and you're just, you're all in it to win it. It's, it's kind of like the battle of the rave. It's amazing. Definitely. So what, what did you want from clubbing? Sorry, say that again. What did you want from clubbing, Jamie? Um, what did I want from clubbing? For me, um, just love being in on a dance floor in a dark room with lights and surrounded by people who are on the same wave as you and, you know, all sharing this moment that you're all just sharing together and it's a certain part of the world, wherever you are in the world, you know, you hear a rave song, you all come together and... For me, it's about unity and about sharing and, and and just kind of being in love with the dance floor. I mean, you know, dancing is 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 so powerful for your mind and body and soul. When you dance, you're being free, you're letting go, there's no you lose your inhibitions and you know, I, I think people forget to dance for happiness, you know, and that it's it's a really important it's quite tribal for me, you know. Yeah. It's very tribal. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it feels like when you when you go to a rave or you 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 know you're all there with your mates. But you know, I tend to always get lost at a rave. I, I don't really like to. I'm not a chat chatty person on the dance floor. I like to sort of get stuck yeah. in and you know lose myself. And you know, <laughs> my friends will hate me for saying that because they've lost me so many times. <laughs> um, but you know, it is. It's really. It's really sort of coming together with so many people, but and sharing this love for the music, and you know, just uh, you know, I'm a sucker for a baseline, really. So, you know, it's it's all about coming together with people and just sharing that love. For them. Wonderful. I don't think that's ever been answered better. That question. Oh. Um, track six, Jamie. A favourite song from an artist from your home county. Um. Now, I gave you, I think I said David Bowie, Life on Mars, because you did. this song, I mean, it speaks for itself. I just remember when I first heard this, I have, everybody's grew up in Bowie, you know, um, yeah, he's, he's just a pioneer for rock and roll, rave. Um, he's pretty much tapped on every music genre and done it 
you know, done some work. Yeah. This this particular song just, you know, it speaks to humankind, doesn't it, really? It's kind of like, you know, well, for first the intro, it always, you know, with the girl with the mousy hair, I always felt like that girl with the mousy hair and quite, you know, and then he takes you on this journey of like, you know, actually you have the thought power to think about what is outside this universe, what is going on. And it's just, there's just so much in it. Um, and not to mention the video of how, Completely, you know, I found myself in love with this kind of weird, very unisex-looking guy. Um, one blue eye, one brown eye, you know, orange hair, blue eyeshadow, blue suit. And you just think, I am so attracted to you. And I just I can't <laughs> understand why, because you're just completely out of this world. And I think that that is just... You know, there was no, there's no one like him, and no. he just, he just set a tone for, for rock and roll and and gospel, and you know, he just, he just blows my mind. He completely blows my mind. Absolutely. And you mentioned like, you know, from from like rock and roll to rave and and, and gospel, and and that's one of the things I think is really, really important and 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 often overlooked in, in Bowie's career because there was there was many albums by David Bowie later on in his career that weren't commercial successes. But what I think he consistently done was just evolved. And like, you know, whether he was putting stuff out like Little Wonder, which was fundamentally drum and bass, you know, to, to, to do that, you know, he wasn't afraid of just thinking, well, I'll, I'll try something new. I want to evolve. And he could quite easily have done something similar to, to kind of what the Stones do. I guess yeah. the Stones are always just going to make, you know, rhythm and blues, rock and roll. And they're, and they're great here. Yeah. You know? But Bowie never sat on his laurels. He always pushed and pushed and pushed, you know, whether it was successful or not. And I think that's, that's an artist. Yeah, it's a proper artist, isn't it? When you look back and you, you, you can't define them into one genre and you just think, God, he really did have a go at it. And even Little Wonder's amazing, Jack. You know? Great record. I mean, there's a, I think there's a little dodgy one he did with, a, I don't know if it was New Order, but I, I still like it, you know? And even up yeah. until his last album, you know, Black Star. Oh, are you, are you thinking about the Pet Shop oh, the Boys? Pet Shop Boys, sorry, not you all, the Pet Shop Boys. Um, hello, Space Boys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of dodgy, but you've got to love it because it's him doing yep. doing something that's completely totally. out of his box. And that's just an artist yep. just, and, and not being controlled by the system, you know. We are all his, we're all his slaves to his music. And it's, it's, it comes down to his voice and his soul. Um so yeah, I mean Black Star. I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of the album, wow. and it's it's really emotional Wonderful. because you just know, you know, he knows he was dying, and uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of like he's a man who's dedicated his life, you know, a British man who's dedicated his life to music, and it's just it's completely, you know, he's he's an icon and a, and a complete national treasure. So I just thought it was only right for David to be that. Perfect, perfect choice. Okay, Jamie, last song. You can be your DJ now and, and you get to turn someone on to something they haven't heard because for track seven, it's the song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yes, uh, it's a tune. Obviously, I got really greedy chops on this one as well. Um, I really, right, I really struggled you. with this because, um, you know, I mentioned a few people like King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard, but I think a lot of people will know them. So let's not give them... I didn't know them. <gasps> I didn't no. know that. And so I went and got stuck in 
And I mean, that band are prolific. They seem to just put out like about three albums a year. Yeah, they just turn them out, turn them, turn them, turn them out. And they're all young boys from uh, from Australia, mm. and they're they're just. Yeah. I just don't think there's anyone out there like them. You know, you can you can compare them to yeah. old sort of psychedelic rock bands from the sixties, seventies, but there's really no one out there like that. And I, I we saw them live in um, uh, Alexander Palace about last year, and. Um, yeah, they are completely wild. There's a complete tune, you know, to delve into, and it's called Rattlesnake. Um, it's a little bit mad, and it might not be your cup of tea, but it's, yeah, it's, I just think, you know, if, if you're, you're past your raving times and you, you don't get off your nut anymore, then, you know, stick some King Gizzard and Elizabeth Wizard on, and you'll be all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unless you took a lot of acid when you was growing up, because it had probably waken a load of stuff going on yes, in your head. Exactly. So, and I've got to mention someone um, who's quite deep, who's um, a close friend of um, my partner James, um, and it's Roots Maneuver, who's always, he kind of started with me um, at the beginning of my career in, in um, uh, kid adulthood. He was used on the, um, uh, the soundtrack to that, yeah. and with. Um, what was it called? Um, uh, Witness the Fitness, which was just a massive tune at the oh. time. You know, that intro. And, Huge. You know, tune. you hear that in a club and everybody goes, oh, it's in the drop is mm. major. But there's a tune he's done that I don't think lots of people have heard of and it's called Don't Breathe Out. And it's it's a, um, it's kind of a preaching song and it's, it's very poetic and it's very beautiful and it's quite gospel again. But uh, I just love the sound of his sort of London Cockney accent sort of singing and, yeah. and talking, but it, it's a really beautiful song and, you know, it always really pulls at my heartstrings. So, yeah, Roots Maneuver, Don't Breathe Out, love it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we put together a Spotify playlist of all the songs that you spoke about anyway, so that'll accompany this podcast when, oh uh, when it comes out as well, Jamie. Hold tight, riders. It's a bit all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so when we start to sort of find ourselves coming out of, of lockdown and 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 welcoming some kind of new, hopefully improved normality, um, what's what's in the pipeline, Jamie? What you got coming uh, up? I've got a few little films coming out. I've got a thing called um, uh, title still to be confirmed, but it was uh, a thing called Barking Murders. And um, I think it may have been ch- uh, turned into Four Lives Now, which is about um, the Barking murders that happened to the young gay men that were murdered. Uh, it's, yep. it's a really important story, um, uh, another injustice story about homophobia in the, in the police force. So um, quite poignant for now, but uh, sadly the um, court case is actually still going in real life so we're just waiting to hold that back yeah. for a minute and then I've got a film yeah. that's on the other side of the spectrum called Knuckle Dust which is directed by a guy called James Kermack and it's um yeah it's it's pretty much self-explanatory in the title it's um it's about an underground fighting scene in London and I play a copper who's um who's trying to get to the bottom of it all <laughs> but it's um yeah it's exciting wonderful it's exciting Excellent. All right, well, look, Jamie, thank you so much for giving up your time today. I really, really appreciate Not it. At all. I really, really love talking to you, Stu, and then, you know, really love the show <laughs> and just keep us all going and, you know, music, music's the key right now. 
Lovely. Okay, take care, Jamie. Thanks ever so much. Take care, my darling. Lots of love. There you go. Jamie Winston. How good was that? Wonderful chat. Um, Thanks loads, Jamie, for giving up your time for this um, podcast. It was really, really appreciated. And, I mean, there's got to be worse places to be than... uh, Upper Mountain uh, in Sicily uh, during lockdown. What a, what a beautiful place to be. Um, okay, thanks ever so much to you lot for listening as well. We'll be back next week. Um, if you can't wait till then, go and have a route around in the archives. Um, better still, if you can subscribe to the podcast, that would be amazing. And uh, yeah, stay safe and I'll see you again next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free so every other month there'll be a new edition out so go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well podbiblemag.com it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him 